What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Happy New Year. I am recording this on January 1st, 2023. This episode will be coming out tomorrow, Jan 2, 2023. And I want to say Happy New Year. Last night when I was at one of my friend's houses for uh, kind of like we went to a concert in San Diego but before we were at my friend's house and we were all sitting down together and or not standing down. We were standing up, socializing, hanging out, talking. And um, it was actually one year for me. No alcohol. Last New Year's Eve, I had I didn't drink a lot kind of the last year, last bunch of years. But so, and because of that, had a bunch of drinks and kind of got buzzed or even drunk and I was kind of not showing up the way I wanted to and I was like you know what I barely drink anyway so let me just put this thing to bed and so it it was officially one year for me no drinking as of uh, last night or this morning and it was cool because my friend who hosted also didn't drink and it was two years for him and the whole thing was we were hanging out having fun and then he made a bit of a toast he said hey let's go in a circle we all sat down inside a circle and t- shared uh, the thing that we're most proud of for doing for the year. And then the uh, like an intention that we're setting or one thing we're really excited for coming into 2023. And I just such a, so appreciated the intentionality and kind of the way we were spending our time together and, and being around like-minded people. So uh, yeah, that was one nice thing I did for uh, coming into the new year. Hope you guys all had good new years and are excited to come into the new year and what better way to come into the new year than digging into a topic called building healthy boundaries when people come to me with conflicts in their career with a boss with a coworker, with a teammate with a spouse or a romantic partner with a friend boundaries challenges with boundaries show up everywhere and so let me just dig, dive in. I'm going to tell a story that I, I wrote this out, posted on my LinkedIn a while ago, shared on my email list a while ago, but I'm going to start by telling a quick story of something that I saw happen last year. And then I'm going to go through some notes on how to build, kind of like walking through building healthy boundaries. So earlier this year, I went to a men's group meetup where we shared personal development strategies and supported each other. It was a powerful experience on many levels, one of which was seeing the facilitator set a healthy boundary. It was actually the most important thing for me in that day. So there's a part of the meeting called God Stories where we go around the room, you raise your hands, and you have the opportunity, people in the audience, to share a 60 to 90 second story from the past week, ideally, of something exciting or miraculous that happened. And it's a way to express gratitude. It's a great way to celebrate wins and kind of train ourselves to focus on being grateful. So 
almost everyone is extremely respectful of that time. Uh, you know, the 60, 90 seconds, it's not a time to tell your life story or to tell a 20 minute story. It's a time to quickly share a win. And in the past, having gone to these meetups, usually when someone kind of rambles on a little bit longer, the facilitator will just kind of raise their hand or, or stick up the, like a, his pointer finger, be like, Hey, you have one minute or just say like, Hey, it's time to wrap it up. And the person will wrap it up and it's not a big deal. But in this situation, um, one of the attendees took the microphone and right off the bat, he, before he even says name and kind of what he was going to share, he started by saying that his share would be longer than a few minutes. And the facilitator interrupted the attendee and told him, uh, no, keep it brief, keep it 60, 90 seconds like everyone else. But the attendee just ignored it. You could tell he just didn't care, didn't ignore it, didn't acknowledge it. And I said, and he just said, don't worry, it'll be worth it. And so in that moment, what I was just kind of observing the situation, having had in episode 49 of my podcast, Sarah Gilman, who wrote um, a, a, the book or a book on boundaries and did a TED talk on it. So I've been really fascinated by boundaries for a long time. And so when I see this guy blatantly look at the facilitator and just say, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's going to be worth it. To me, I was like, wow, that's pretty disrespectful. But anyway, I'm not going to get angry. I'm just going to observe and see what's going on here. So anyway, the attendee starts telling a story, weaving in tons of unnecessary details, talking about uh, bridges at one point and painting an overly thorough picture of what had happened. After three plus minutes, maybe even four or five minutes, he was already well over time and the facilitator interrupted and told the attendee, all right, it's time to get to the point, um, you know, wrap up you know, 15, 30 seconds. Let's go wrap it up. And it was, yeah, I was just gonna say <laughs> the guy who was sharing, there's no way he could have actually wrapped it up in 15 to 30 seconds. He had already blown it by just kind of like four or five minutes in. He was only like probably 20% of the way through the story. But anyway, the attendee, I think said, okay. And like actually acknowledged, okay, yeah, I'll wrap it up but then kept going on and on and on. And I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think it's actually, would you be more frustrated if someone said, oh, I hear your boundary, but I'm not going to observe it or said, oh, I hear your boundary. I will observe it. And then just doesn't, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of what happened. Second, the second time was he actually, I think said, okay, I'll, I will respect the boundary now, but then kept rambling and rambling on. So uh, it didn't go on for too long though. It was probably like the first three minutes. And then the facilitator was like, all right, wrap it up. And then the guy was like, all right, you know, 30 more seconds. And then when it was clear after that amount of time that this guy was just not going to land the plane, uh, the facilitator just walked right up to him, took the microphone, physically removed the microphone from the guy's hand and, and just kind of like tapped him on the shoulder and said, all right, you're done, sit down. And it was embarrassing for the guy because it was obvious that he did not get to tell his entire story. Um, he had, there had to be an intervention where it was physical removal of the microphone and, and, but but to me, it wasn't even like, I don't care. The guys, I don't want the guy to be upset or embarrassed. The the Here's the most important thing for me. And this is where boundaries and codependency, I'm going to talk about it in the episode today. It was what was so powerful for me to see was that the facilitator, when he went over and he took the microphone and he had the guy sit down and he walked away, he did not feel bad. He did not feel guilty. He did not take on any emotion of this attendee. He he just was like very stoic, unemotional. And he's like, look, like this was his mindset. He's like, look, there are rules here. You're not following the rules. So you're not, you're done. It's over. And, and so for me, kind of in the past, having not had great boundaries, having like, 
outtake on the emotions of other people, just kind of codependent behavior. In a situation like that, I would have felt a lot of guilt or even shame or fear or whatever for doing something like that. So for me to see the facilitator not get emotional and simply move on to the next part of the meeting really unaffected was a boom. It was really great for me to see that. And so um, what I wrote in this article was my boundaries were violated so many times by others when I was younger and I had the underdeveloped ability to set healthy boundaries as an adult. This prevented me from calling people out on sales calls as a coach, as an employer of people of my team. And I wrote, the story may not mean much to you, but it rocked my world seeing that it gave me permission to set healthy boundaries with my clients, my peers, and in my life in general. Um, I've studied boundaries quite a bit, and I've had the pleasure of interviewing Sarah Gilman, author of Transform Your Boundaries on my podcast, and that's episode 49 of The Brennan Burns Show, if you want to check it out. So I wanted to open with that story because seeing that guy set that boundary and most importantly to me, not just set the boundary, but not me. It wasn't a big deal. He's like, all right, dude, like you blew it. It's over. Grabs the mic. He wasn't angry either. It's like he wasn't guilty, shame, but he also wasn't mad at the guy. He was just he's like, all right, dude. like his energy was OK. You just you don't get it. You don't know how this works. You're not hearing me. That's fine. I'm not going to kick you out of the room. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to have an emotional reaction in any way but you're done. And he walked away. And so that to me was, was really huge to see. Now I want to get into kind of the episode for today around building healthy boundaries. And let's start by defining what boundaries are. So although boundaries are crucial for a healthy life, uh, they're not often discussed, but what they are is they help us stand strong and know that where we end and another begins. So boundaries help give us a sense of ourselves and a perception of how we are different from others, both physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. So when thinking about a boundary, what's really important is to understand, like, who are you? Where does that start? Where does that end? And where does someone else start? And where does that person end? Boundaries are also a way to understand what we need as we have our separate feelings, thoughts, and realities, they allow us to know where we are in relation to other people, but also what we want in relation to other people. So a clear example of a boundary is someone asks you to do something with them or for them. And if you don't want to do that thing, a healthy boundary would be saying, you know what, um, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm going to have to pass or I'm not interested or I don't want to do that. So no, thank you. That's an easy example of setting a boundary with someone. It starts, and I've done, uh, there's a YouTube video on this, actually, I would definitely check out as well that I did, I think, in 2019. Uh, it's, it's great. It's Bill Belichick is being, he's doing a press conference. And at the time, the Patriots had signed Antonio Brown, who was a very talented but controversial wide receiver from Pittsburgh who again was super talented, but had was then at that point in his life struggling with tremendous mental health problems. And I'm sure Belichick would looking back, uh, regret having signed Antonio Brown, but anyway, they're doing the press conference. And if you know who Bill Belichick is, he's the, uh, he's still the coach of the new England Patriots. He coached them with Tom Brady, I think six, five or six super bowls, one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. <laughs> 
And he's kind of notorious for the way he comports himself in general, the way he doesn't show emotion, doesn't smile, and the way he does the press conferences. And what I appreciate about Bill, uh, which you're not going to get a lot of Jets fans from New York like me appreciating Bill Belichick, but I can set aside my NFL frustrations and allegiances to actually look at this guy and say, you know what? He did a heck of a job setting a boundary. And in general, I think he does in these press conferences. What happened was there's all this fanfare around Antonio Brown. And later when he was on the Raiders, he was complaining about the helmet design. And it was just a controversial guy, controversial situation. And Bill's trying to field a press conference with the media in advance of a game against the Dolphins. And so Bill was happy to answer questions about Miami and the game plan and the season or anything kind of football related. But in his mind, he was not available to have any conversations around Antonio Brown or the controversies or the dramas or whatever around that. And so I actually say this in the video. If you go to uh, my YouTube channel or you just Google or put into YouTube, Brendan Burns, Bill Belichick. I'm doing this now. Just let's see. Comes up right at the top of it. It's called Bill Belichick owns reporter in best press conference savage moment. You can tell I'm doing some good uh, keyword terms here. But what happens is I kind of talk about, you know, how do you set boundaries? What's the first step to setting an effective boundary? It's to know your boundary. Because let's say you go into a situation and someone asks you to do something or they put you on the spot, like yes or no, will you come do this with me right now? That's harder because you don't necessarily know your boundary in the moment. And one of the things you can do is say, well, hold on a sec. I wasn't expecting to uh, be asked to do this. Let me take a second to think about it. That's a really good way, in my opinion, to if you're confronted with a situation where a boundary might need to be set and you haven't kind of considered what you're about, like what you want or need in a moment, you can ask for a minute. Uh, but with Bill... I think going into the press conference, he knew that he was not going to be willing to talk about Antonio Brown. So when uh, what happens is he says, uh, so the, the, the guy in the media says something like, okay, Antonio Brown, you know, da, 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 you know, can you comment on that? And Bill Belichick says, I'm done with that. Anything else on Miami? And the reporter says, let's see here. Bill, Bill says, any other questions? And then the reporter says something like, um, we're just trying to figure out if if what uh, Antonio Brown said about his position and about the allegations, what has he said to you? And then Bill goes, he just kind of ignores it. He goes, okay, uh, anything else on Miami? Any other questions? Um, and the reporter's like, well, you didn't answer my question. And Bill goes, well, actually I did. And he just walks out. So <clears throat> the what I said there was the first thing to set a healthy boundary is to actually know what your boundary is. So Bill going to the press conference was aware I am not going to be answering any of these questions on Antonio Brown. And if they can't come up, I will decline to answer. So one thing for you to consider right now is, is there something that you're doing, kind of a good barometer for if you're not setting boundaries the way you want to, is to check in with yourself, how you're feeling, your life, looking at your schedule, your calendar things that you're doing day to day, things that you're agreeing to do day to day and ask yourself, are these things that I want to do? Do they make me happy? Am I available for them? You know, obviously we have certain responsibilities. Like if you're a parent, if you have a job, you can't just say, Oh, you know, I don't feel like ever going to work, but 
situate a good example of boundary is if you already have a lot of work on your plate and you're doing what you're being paid to do and you have an overly demanding boss or boundary tester boss or manager who's asking you to do more and you're not saying no that's a good example of an opportunity to set better boundaries so one thing you could do right now is kind of just take a little inventory in your mind you can close your eyes right now you can think about it work relationship career fun friends serving serving in philanthropy church you know a good example was uh at this concert last night the <clears throat> uh, the guy there were a couple of people came up to, uh, and like they put a qr code on the screen to make a donation and i was thinking about doing it but honestly i've given you know probably 20 percent of uh my profits away from my business away to uh to different uh, charitable causes this year. And like last year was my first year. Like I would say halfway through the year, I started to be philanthropic. I started to give 10% every month, kind of around there, maybe a little bit more. And then this year I really started to give more and be more philanthropic. And so I gave, I think closer to 20% of uh, my profits for my business away to charity, which I felt like was, was significant, you know, trying to be benevolent, but also at the same time, not be reckless and give everything away want to reinvest more of that into my business and my employees and, you know, take some out for myself, for my hard work. And, um, yeah, there was a guy next to me and he's like, he could tell that like I scanned the QR code on my phone, but I didn't complete the process. And he like came over to me. He's like, dude, you got, he, he, he was saying a couple of times, like, you know, you got to finish it. You got to sow your seed. You got you to gotta be philanthropic. And I don't know how I would have responded in the past. Maybe I would have given against my own desire, but I knew in that moment, you know, I was thinking about how much I'd given for the year. It was December 31st. I just looked at the numbers. I felt like I had given a lot. So in that moment, I made it, I made a decision for me not to give that additional donation. And then there was a person there who was kind of encouraging and and not being pushy, but a little bit of like, hey, you got to give, you should give, you should. And so in that moment, good example setting boundary was, you know what? I appreciate kind of your enthusiasm around that, but I've made my decision and I appreciate you respecting that. So thank you. Another good example of setting a boundary. But what we could do now is kind of dig in a little bit to sort of uh, what a little bit more about like the, the, the why behind how we get to a point of not being able to set uh, good, strong boundaries. So um, boundaries exist for our protection. When our boundaries are intact, we know that we have separate feelings, thoughts, and realities. Our boundaries allow us to know who we are in relation to others around us. We need our boundaries to get close to others since otherwise we would be overwhelmed. This is a really important thing. I remember for a long time, I isolated in my life, wasn't really connected to a lot of people, didn't have a lot of friends, a lot of groups. And I wanted that. We all crave love and connection. And I wanted that. But because I didn't have a strong ability to set good boundaries, I wasn't comfortable getting into more intimate friendships and friend groups and circles because I didn't have the strength to set boundaries. So when you don't, when you have an underdeveloped skill set around boundaries, we are not able to actually get close to others because we would get overwhelmed and then compromise our own needs and wants and desires because we don't have that ability to speak up or put our foot down or draw lines. So if you're finding yourself maybe wanting more community connection, love, intimacy, romantic relationship, deeper friendships, learning how to set healthy boundaries, both to set the healthy boundary and also respect other people's boundaries is going to be really important. And this is really interesting too. Boundaries ensure that our behavior 
is appropriate and keeps us from offending others. When we have healthy boundaries, we also know when we are being abused. So, so boundaries actually go in both directions. And it's really important to do two things here because my sort of journey over the past few years was I could not set strong boundaries. And I was kind of being this pushover, this people pleaser, this person who did not have a good ability to set boundaries with other people. And as a result, I was giving and I was compromising. I was allowing people to take advantage of me, not I was getting taken advantage of. I was allowing people to take advantage of me. And so I built a lot of strength, a lot of uh, ability, inner strength, emotional, spiritual strength to set boundaries, to say no, to not feel guilty about it. And that was great. But what I just read here is also really important too. And this is an area that I kind of missed and need to focus on that I've been working on myself right now is so when we have healthy boundaries, we know when we're either being abused, when we're being pushed around, when we're doing things we don't want to do. But boundaries also ensure that our behavior is appropriate and keeps us from offending others. So when we do our boundary work, it's not just saying no to other people, but it's also being really respectful of other people and their no's. And there are a lot of people out there who have underdeveloped abilities to set healthy boundaries. And I feel like it's a great act of love and kindness and compassion and responsibility to even if we could do something or could get someone to do something to not push it or take advantage or exploit people in certain ways because of their inability to set boundary with us. It's almost like I, I feel like in some ways it's our responsibility to know the boundaries of other people, even if they're not able to set them for themselves. I know it's kind of, you don't want to like take on their responsibility to set boundaries, but at the same time, if you can see that someone is struggling to say no, or they really don't want to do something, don't push it on them. I think that's also a really important thing in boundary work is to make sure you're being respectful of other people who aren't great at setting boundaries. Um, okay. So <clears throat> a person with, without boundaries will not know when someone is physically, emotionally, or intellectually violating them. This phenomenon is common in, to codependence in general and adult children of alcoholics. Um, and I wrote people without good boundaries, abuse and or allow abuse. So that's the same thing. It's not just like what you allow and don't allow, but it's, it's, are you violating other people's boundaries is an important thing to look at as well. So often saying no, and I won't. Okay. So this is actually kind of like looking into the psychology and the, you know, what's underneath what, how, how do boundaries get developed, you know, when you're young. So for the first 18 months of life, Children and babies have no clear idea of who they are and depend entirely on their parents for their basic needs. Um, once they turn two, a child begins to push away from parents, learns causes and effect thinking, and develops the uh, important skill of saying no. So that you, by two, they start to develop, on average, they start to develop that ability to say no, and you can't make me. It's in this important stage of development, children test others around them so that they can begin to answer what is and what is not under my control. And this is where boundaries start to come in. Uh, it, now the psychology and the family dynamics of the parents is going to play a huge role, probably the most important role in boundary development is in these early years of how the parents relate to the children and the babies saying no, because if, um, okay, so often saying no and I won't are the strongest expressions of self-affirmation a child can make when those affirmations are respected by the parents, 
the child is now collecting evidence and experiences that saying no is safe and it's okay. And it's, I am allowed to uh, put up my, my boundaries. These assertions protect children and allow them to see themselves as separate from their parents. So when they start to say no, and the parent allows it, um, the child can see a differentiation and a separation between my emotions, feelings, desires, wants of myself and other people. If the parent is not comfortable with that and they, and the parent has challenges with boundaries or substance abuse, alcoholism, codependency, et cetera, the child is starting to form from an early age and, and, and realizing a no is not okay. I said no, but that's not being respected. So either I feel shame or I'm bad for saying no, or I'm just going to stop trying to say no. Cause no matter what I'm, my parent is can overpower me. I'm two, three, four years old. And so I'm going to stop even expressing my wants and needs and just kind of become enmeshed into and serve and, and, you know, please the needs of my primary caregivers. <clears throat> Healthy mothers and fathers respect this important developmental stage. However, in um, codependence, people with poor boundaries and chemically dependent families, children must adapt to their parents. And because of this forced adaption, children, these children of alcoholics, codependents, et cetera, often develop a focus outside of themselves because the parent is struggling with their own ability to emotionally regulate or self-sustain or be their own individual healthy person. The child now becomes um, a tool for the parent to regulate. And, and the child is the now kind of like serving, pleasing and, and being there for the parent. In many of these families, personal space is invaded and emotions are not clearly defined or accepted. Attention is focused on the dysfunctional parent, not on the child. The child learns to match what they feel, what the parent feels, and they match the mood swings. In other words, if mom is happy, the children are happy. But if mom is not happy, the children are not happy. I can very much resonate with that in the sense, <clears throat> even now, as I'm working through uh, my boundaries and, and codependency to understand that how much someone else's mood could still affect me. And that if someone is really happy, then I feel safe and I feel like I'm allowed to be happy. But if the other person is not, am I allowed to? And a good example of this is I've had jobs in the past where I've had bosses that were, you know, when I was working in these finance jobs where the bosses would be very stressed out and frustrated and happy all the time. And I was a relatively happy, easygoing guy, you know, doing well, enjoying my work. But I felt like if I was smiling or giving people high fives or in a good mood, it would, I'd be docked. It'd be like, I'm, I'm getting in trouble for this. I'm, you know, am I allowed to be in good moods? Am I allowed to be happy when they're not feeling this guilt or shame around being able to have my own individual positive experiences when someone else isn't? Um, so when children focus on their parents and neglect themselves, they never develop the inner resources that help them to know how to feel, think, or behave in a given situation. This is in the essence of codependency and a damaged boundary system. You know, a good example now, because I'm not really doing a lot of sales or enrollment calls anymore, but when I was for my coaching business, before I put some people in place to, to take those conversations and calls for me, I saw um, a lot of codependency and enmeshment between partners, for one thing. Like, I remember there was this woman who would have been perfect for our program. She was in her fifties already. And she was really wanting, like her whole life, she'd wanted to become a coach and it was clearly her calling. But, um, her husband was really suffering from uh, a lot of fear, a lot of inability to take healthy risk, inability to step out and kind of financial fear specifically. <clears throat> and so 
she was all in on the program. And then once she talked to the husband, he talked her out of it. I got them on a call together and I could just see the guy, I could see his psychology, his face, the way the fear had just had such a grip on him. And I could tell that her desire was to do this, but that no matter what her kind of enmeshment with his fear and pleasing his emotional challenges prevented her from moving forward. Another good example is this is just within the past few weeks. We had a woman who uh, similar situation dreamed to become a coach really want to do it and codependency with her parents. And this woman was like, I think in her forties and had kids and was married, but her parents were actually kind of making her pay for her parents living expenses back in their home country. And not, and so the parents were like, you need to keep paying for our housing and rent and food and everything. And if you go start your own business, you might make less money and then not be able to pay for all our things. So we're not allowing you to go invest in business coaching and start your own coaching business. It made me so sad, but I could just tell there was no way that, you know, in this quick 30 minute follow-up call, I was going to be able to change 40 years of dysfunctional uh, family dynamics. I mean, maybe I, it's a little like, you know, hopeless. Cause I have seen Tony Robbins do these like, massive interventions in one hour and really change people's lives. But what you see is that, when you have this codependency and a damaged boundary system, these people are not able to do the things that they want to do and create a life on their terms, but they're really just kind of adjusting and accommodating. And, and I want to say, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I understand like making sacrifices and, you know, that's important, but these were situations where both these people had plenty of money, plenty of cash, plenty of time. They would have been super successful. And the irony is in both situations, uh, the, the people who were kind of like, pressuring the decision maker to say no is because those people wanted more money and had these people worked with us and become coaches, they would have wound up making so much more money than what they're currently bringing in, in their, uh, in their day jobs. So it's kind of ironic how that works. Okay. Uh, we can talk about anger for a sec. This is a good one. So children raised in um, dysfunctional families, co alcoholic families, codependent, for example, may learn quite early that getting angry, having tantrums, or saying no is dangerous. For this reason, these children may come to view anger as something to avoid and separation as disloyal. They may never quite learn where their boundaries end and another's begins. That's very common where, you know, if a child is expressing emotion, or anger or really any emotion and the parents don't have the resources capacity. They can't create kind of that safe space and that framework for their child to express their emotions. They'll often punish the child, have them repress their emotions and prevent them from being able to express how they feel or set boundaries or both. So what happens is these children may never clearly find their emotional boundaries and needs and expression and have difficulty deciding whose feelings belong to whom. Um, what else here? Oh yeah. We could talk about emotional boundaries for a second. Let's talk about emotional boundaries and repairing emotional boundaries. So emotional boundaries are formed again, early in our life and are greatly influenced by the nature of the bond with our parents. Emotional boundaries protect us like an internal shield, helping us determine which emotions are ours and letting us deflect emotions that are not ours, right? Like go back to that story of the guy in the beginning of this podcast. He's telling his story. He's going on and on and on. Facilitator walks up to them, 
no emotion, grabs the microphone, sit down, you blew it, leave me alone. He's not that mean. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But he's like, look, give me the mic, it's over. Now, I don't think the attendee who was sharing had any kind of reaction, but if he had, if he got very frustrated, angry, sad, whatever, the facilitator would not take those emotions on because he would know that those are not his emotions. Those emotions are not his responsibility. He can set those aside and go on with his day. So emotional boundaries, like I said, they protect us. They help us know what's ours and what's not. And when we have emo healthy emotional boundaries, we can honestly determine our feelings about any situation, per person, place, or thing. <clears throat> so repairing emotional boundaries. When we or we can begin to rebuild damaged emotional boundaries by paying attention to when we feel shame. In general, a good barometer for for your for setting boundaries is being in touch with your emotions because if you're dissociated or disconnected with your emotions, you're more likely to both go along with things you don't want to do or do uh, push other people to do that. And when you're in touch with how you feel in your body, you're more able to know, okay, this feels good, this feels right, this feels like something I want to do versus not. And then as a result, you'll be able to respond accordingly. So a good thing to do is paying attention to how you feel is a good way to rebuild damaged emotional boundaries. For example, if you are consistently feeling shame when you're around certain people, ask yourself if your boundaries are being invaded or abused. Even if you're unsure of what the abuse is, um, it's important to trust your feelings to help you know what's going on. It may be necessary to set emotional boundaries by saying to the other person, I'm not sure why, but every time or most times when I'm with you, I don't feel good about myself. So for right now, I can't be with you. Full stop. For those of us whose parents criticized, shamed us, it's helpful to learn to talk to ourselves without shame and humiliation. It's a form of reparenting where you can comfort yourself by simply saying internally or um, on your shame, okay, I'm doing it to myself again. I'm shaming myself. And sometimes that alone can help make the shame go away. Uh, for example, if you're in a relationship, uh, a romantic relationship or any type of relationship, <clears throat> you know, with someone who's like narcissistic, abusive, et cetera, the more time you spend with them, the more, um, if you don't have those kind of healthy boundaries put up, you'll allow them to, uh, kind of criticize, demean, point excessively point out, criticize flaws, et cetera, to a point where you will start to really take on shame and start to feel bad about yourself, whether or not you're realizing it. And this is why you don't like hanging out with that person. And so one of the things to do, obviously in addition to separating, putting up boundaries, stepping away from that situation, either temporarily or permanently, is to, you know, one thing that's helped me a lot is meditations. There's actually a great um, meditation on YouTube that I like. It's called You Are Affirmations. And the, uh, the person is Jessica Heslop, H-E-S-L-O-P. And the one that I like is uh, you are affirmations, self-forgiveness slash forgive yourself. And it's eight hours of this stuff. And I've done hours and hours of this meditation, um, really good stuff to kind of help get in touch with your emotions and then uh, counter the stories and know the truth about who you are. Because when you're in these types of situations or relationships with people who um, either are overtly or covertly shaming you, then you start to buy into those stories, which are not true. 
So complimenting yourself and affirming that you are a good person is a helpful tool to uh, release the shame. Learning to comfort the little boy or girl inside of you can help feed your imagination with different thoughts and a healthier view of yourself and the world. Um, another thing that might be worth looking at too, and I did this for a long time, is it is common for an adult child to discover some early childhood abuse and talk about it as if it didn't really matter. For example, this is not me, this is just an example. When I was young, my mom kept telling me that she would kill herself, but it's not really a big deal, is, is an example of someone doing that. Um, you know, my parents got divorced and my dad was physically abusive, but, you know, he only did it once or twice, right? You know, so uh, what's really important is to uh, face these things and understand kind of really the impact it had on you. And like I said earlier, really learning how to trust your feelings. Um, our feelings can really provide us with an immense amount of wisdom and information, uncomfortable feelings that may have been dangerous to express in our original families are no longer dangerous. And we have a right to be angry when someone offends us. So, uh, yeah, these are just some ways to, uh, we really focus kind of on emotional boundaries today. Um, there's obviously, you know, there's physical boundaries, setting, uh, physical boundaries with other people. There's intellectual boundaries. Uh, spiritual boundaries. There are a lot of different types of boundaries that are worth really looking at and unpacking and um, happy to continue to to talk about these things. If, if you found this valuable, you can always reach out to us at brendan at brendanhburns.com with uh, you know feedback on the podcast, future uh, requests for guests or topics. We're always open to hearing that. And uh, for those who are really interested in kind of more of the text that I was, that I was sharing and reading from, um, I'm getting a lot of this from uh, a recovery book from a program um, that I went through. I went through a 12 step program at uh, Awaken Church in San Diego. And so they have a uh, recovery workbook as part of their workshop. So uh, I've been kind of pulling some stuff from there and obviously weaving in a lot of my own kind of experiences working through boundaries. Also, like I said, episode 49 of the Brendan Burns show, I believe that was a 2019 episode. Uh, Sari Gilman, I saw her TED talk on setting boundaries. Sarah Gilman. Um, she also talks about financial boundaries, uh, which I think is good. She's an LMFT um, who's been doing this for over 20 years. She's been a licensed marriage and family therapist. And um, it was a good episode for sure. Uh, she We talked together a little bit about, so her TED talk, at least the one that's popping up right now, is called Good Boundaries for You. And it has over a million views. Um, I think that's how I originally found her. And yeah, we talked about, um, she had someone doing work on her house and the guy was like, yep, it's going to be done by this time. And this is going to be the cost. And then he came back to her and apparently wasn't being honest about delays or additional expenses. And she set some kind of boundary with him and kind of canceled the work or something of that nature. So yeah, boundaries really show up in every area of our life. And just kind of in conclusion here, what I'd recommend is to take an inventory. We're coming into a new year. New year, 2023, new you. Look at different things in your life. What boundaries do you need to set? Ask yourself right now. Sit down, reflect on this for five minutes after this episode. Who are you not setting boundaries with? Why are you not setting boundaries with them? How are you suffering by not setting those boundaries? And what would your life look like if you were actually setting those boundaries? Is it in work with a coworker, a boss? You know, big time, like a lot of times. And I'll say, you know, one other thing too is why do we not set boundaries? Fear. If I set a boundary, if I say no, then I will either lose this person's love, I will lose my job, I will lose whatever. 
And the reality is it's actually the opposite. When you start setting boundaries with people, they actually start to respect you more and you get more promotions, more love, more respect, more of all the things that you're afraid you're going to lose by not setting the boundary when you actually set it. So uh, let's set some healthy boundaries coming into the new year. Thanks for listening. And I will see you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.